I had been married one day. It was a marvelous day, honey, don't worry. It was time for us to go on what every young married godly couple wants to go on, your honeymoon. Yeah, can I get a little bit for the honeymoon? And I thought to myself, I I got the perfect thing planned. We're going to go on a cruise. I didn't know better. I was young, okay? And I thought, we're going to go down to Galveston. I'm from Houston area. We're going to go down to Galveston. We're going to get on one of the Carnival cruise ships. And we're going to have the time of our lives. Because I thought to myself, man, that's just the place to be. I heard it was all you could eat steak. Can I get an amen? I, I heard it was all you could eat lobster. Can I get an Amen. And so I was excited to go on this cruise with my wife. You know, Proverbs says, let the wife of your youth, let you enjoy the wife of your youth. Can I get amen for that? Amen. Amen. You know, you know, my mentor, Randy Van Pay, celebrating 50 years next weekend. He taught me that verse. And so I was there. And I'm, we're so excited, you know, we get into the, we're so, we get into the cabin and it's like this little, you know, awesome little cabin and they have a rolled up towel in the shape of an animal. I've never seen that before. I was like, who does that? How do you, whose job description is that? I make the towel animals. Anyways, we go through this cruise thing and we get to dinner and we, I see our names on these little, you write your name in calligraphy, fancy on the table, yetchers. So you have a signed seating. And so we're there and we have a signed seating. It's me and my wife. And all of a sudden there's this other couple. And all of a sudden in the radiance of me and my wife's newly wed New Testament love, our, we're just gooey for each other. And we just love Jesus and love each other. And we're so excited. Uh, This atmosphere that we have around us is beginning to affect the couple at the table. And they begin, as the street preacher in me, I notice that they are under physical conviction. God is at work. They're beginning to shake and get nervous and blame shift and and wring their hands and check their napkins and drop their forks. They begin to be under the manifest conviction of the Holy Spirit because as me and my wife were on our honeymoon, they were on an adultery cruise. They left their couples and came together and the Holy Spirit of God set them next to Kyle and Beth. So we're in this, in this conversation and my wife has this special gifted ability. It's the compassion and mercy of God. People walk up to my wife on a weekly basis. I don't know why I'm telling you this. And they just cry like the perfume lady at the mall. She's spraying the perfume and, and she, like you think it got in her eye because she's crying. And all of a sudden this, kid, this couple is just vomiting. And I'm like, wait a second. My honeymoon, I've been waiting for this for a long time. And so this is my week. This is our week, babe. No, God, please, not this week. I don't want to talk about repentance. I always talk about repentance. God, can I have a week? God, give me a week. And I'm just begging God. It's a weird situation. And the days go on. 
and it just keeps getting more and more stuff comes out. I'm like, is this a Mari show? And so we get to the end and I'm frustrated. But more important than my frustration was God's. Oh, the frustration of heaven if the messenger is silent. Oh, the frustration in heaven if we are silent. Turn in your Bibles. We're going to be looking at an unwilling messenger. We're going to be continuing the story of Jonah, who was unwilling to speak, who was unwilling to minister. We're going to be in this second chapter of Jonah. Jonah is a small book in the Old Testament. It's about two or three pages. It's easy to miss. But it's in the Old Testament. Turn to Jonah chapter 2. And while we do that, I'm going to go ahead and recap the story. So go ahead and turn there. And while you're turning there, I'll recap. Pastor Matt did a great job last week talking about Jonah. He talked about how Jonah was unwilling to preach. He was unwilling to minister. And all of a sudden, there's a storm. And the people on the boat throw Jonah into the sea. And it begins to be the worst day of Jonah's life, a day of despair and destitution. Starting in verse one. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. And you heard my voice for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again to your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep enclosed about me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you brought me up, my life from the pit, Oh, Lord, my God, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple that those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And so the next verse, so important. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. You have ever had a night like that? You ever been there? You ever had a dark night of the soul? Have you ever been in such a desperate situation and such an anxiety? Have you ever been at the bottom of an ocean in in a fish's belly? I remember exactly where I was. I was in a dorm room. I was alone. And I was a broken and angry and hurting and lost man. And I tried to numb the pain with every kind of drug. I tried to numb the pain with every kind of experience, every kind of relationship. And I was lost. And I was alone. And I was at the bottom of the ocean in a fish's belly. And there was no hope for me. And as as an agnostic, as, as as someone who didn't believe... I cried out a desperate prayer, God, if you're real, could you help me? I 
And then the Lord spoke to the fish and he vomited me onto dry ground. And the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, the precious presence of Jesus came into that room. It was like the voice of everyone I had ever loved somehow spoke at the same time. It was every good memory I have ever had somehow flooded into my mind at the same time. And God came into that room. And when God comes into the room, everything changes. When God comes into the situation, everything changes. When God comes into your relationships, into your businesses, into your marriages, let God in. Let God come into the room. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah on dry ground. Why was Jonah so unwilling to go? Well, let's just study the background here. Nineveh was a place. They were categorically the enemies of God. Those people. The enemies. They were against Israel. They were against the God of Israel. They were against the people of Israel. It was those people. Those enemies. Those outsiders. And yet, what was God's response? What was God's response? Mercy. Compassion. He loved Nineveh. There's one thing I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church corporately in America right now. And this hour, at this moment, love your enemies. Love your enemies. But what about those people? What about this side? What about red or blue? What about love your enemies? God loved Nineveh. He had compassion and pity and mercy on Nineveh. God loves his enemies. Nineveh was a wicked, evil people. History tells us they did all kinds of atrocities and barbaric things, even to children. That they used psychological warfare on their enemies. And they were a cruel and tyrannical people, yet God loved them. Look here in the fourth chapter, skipping over. Should I not pity Nineveh, God says? That great city in which there's 120,000 people who cannot discern their left hand from their right hand. What does it mean? They can't discern their left hand from their right hand. That means they don't know evil for good or good for evil. They're so lost, they don't know their left hand from their right hand. What does that look like? What does that look like? Just look around. We're not far from Nineveh. In California, if you take a car and you go on the beach and you run over some sea turtle eggs, you can be charged $50,000 in fines and go to jail for sea turtle eggs. That same place, you can kill a nine-month-old baby in the womb. Left hand, right hand, right hand, left hand. They do not know their left from their right. And But before anger and frustration fills your heart when you see all of these things on your news, remember God loved Nineveh. He loved Nineveh enough to send a message. Now, it wasn't the message you think. 
And it wasn't the message that we give as the American church. Our gospel is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Jonah's message was, you got 40 days. That's a little different. 40 days and yet you will be destroyed. You see, Jonah's message was repentance, not acceptance. Jonah's message was destruction, not deliverance. But you see, God gave Nineveh not the message that they wanted, but the message that they needed. And the danger in the last days is this. Audiences in the church will heap upon themselves teachers, preachers, who will tell them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. Let us look here at Nineveh. God, turn into the third chapter. Turn into the third chapter. We're going to read chapter three now. This is where Jonah begins to preach, where the unwilling messenger becomes obedient. And when the unwilling messenger becomes obedient, the miraculous always take place. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Did you catch that? How many times is God going to tell you to do something? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey to be exact. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day. And he cried out and said, Yet 40 days Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe and covered himself with sackcloth and ash. And he was caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout all of Nineveh that by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let not neither man nor beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. He's calling a fast. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil and from the violence that is in his hands. I'll say that again. Let everyone turn from his evil and the violence that is in his hands. Let everyone turn from his evil and the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we do not perish? Then God saw their works and that they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. God changed his mind. Now hear me now. The message was very simple. Repentance. God will never change his mind about that message. That has been the gospel message. That has been the summation of all the prophets. Repent or you shall all likewise perish. God will never change his mind about the message of repentance so that he can change his mind about the message of judgment. Do you see? He will, he'll never change his mind about repentance so that he doesn't have to bring judgment. You see, judgment is the last call 
It's his last option. The Bible says the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love. But he ne- that mercy triumphs over judgment. There are times in the Bible when God gives judgment on the land and he tells the angel, stop. Stop, I can't take it anymore. Mercy is the heart of God. But God will never compromise on his message of repentance so that he can relent of the anger that he has pronounced. If you think about it, this begins to have like this echo. It's kind of like you've heard this story before. It's kind of like God tells the story before he tells the story. You think about it. You have this messenger who just steps out of a fish and he's walking on the beach. Scholars say that he would have been completely bleached white by the acid of the fish. So he's, he's kind of ghostly looking. He's walking through the city of Nineveh. It, don't think that it's just like a, a, a little walk. There's no beach near Nineveh. It would have been a long journey where no, Jonah would have spent with God before he got to Nineveh. He gets to Nineveh and his message is not God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. His message was 40 days. And the people repent. They don't only repent, their livestock repents. Now, I don't know what it looks like for a cow to repent. But they repent. This is the story before the story. Three days, a messenger coming in, people repenting, everything changing. Through the message of repentance, mercy has now come. And Jesus of Nazareth, who's God in the flesh, comes on the scene. Hundreds of years later, Jesus of Nazareth is now on the scene, preaching a message of repentance. It's the first thing that Jesus ever said, repent. He's picking right back up where Jonah started. In fact, Jesus has this expectation that he holds the people of God to know that this is the story and that this is coming. Because if you know the history, you know that Jonah preached to Nineveh and the people repented, but then they backslide. They didn't disciple the children. And Nineveh goes back into darkness So God sends another prophet. He sends Nahum and Nahum preaches and they repent, but then they don't disciple their children and they backslide. And then finally, God sends his son to the world, the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And what was Jesus's message? Repentance, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So God tells the story before the story. Jesus, when he's before his multitudes in the middle of his ministry, he's healing the sick, the curing the lame and the blind. His, His people are everywhere. And then the people have the audacity to say, can any prophet come out of Galilee? Jonah's from Galilee. Nahum's from Galilee. Elijah's from Galilee. They had forgotten their history. They had forgotten the story. Jesus looks at the multitudes. One greater than Jonah is here. And just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a whale, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. But one greater than Jonah is here.
Jesus of Nazareth. Although he did nothing wrong, he willingly gave up, up his life as a sacrifice and was crucified and was placed in a tomb for three days and three nights. But that's not the end of the story. Just as the whale, just as that great fish, the Lord spoke and he spit Jonah on the ground on, the, on dry land. Jesus rose from the tomb on the third day. You see, it's the story before the story. It's the great parallel. It's, it's a miraculous story to think about it. You know, scholars, they tell, did this really happen? You, you don't understand that God is setting up that it, it would be through a miraculous story that there would be redemption and salvation in the sword, in the city. And in the same way, the miraculous story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only hope for our cities. But I want us to know this. I want us to know this. You can hear me now. Jonah, he didn't answer the first time. It says over and over again that the Lord had to call Jonah. He didn't answer the first time. I look back in my life and I can see the patience of God in his calling. His patience. Don't make God Almighty wait any longer. God has called some of you from your mother's womb. He has a great plan and a great ministry and a great calling on your life. Don't be like Jonah. Don't run from the call. How many times must the Lord God make the call? Don't be like Jonah. You say, well, what does this call sound like? Let me echo you to the call of the scriptures. The call of God in your life sounds like this. Jesus says, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel the people to come in that my house may be full. The call of God sounds like this. Go and preach the gospel to all creation." The call of God sounds, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. The call of God sounds like, go and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins in all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. The call of God sounds like that in my name, repentance of sins would be preached. That this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness to every nation, to every people group, and then the end will come. That's what the call of God sounds like. You remember, we have this prophetic window in Isaiah the prophet in the sixth chapter where we get a window into the, the, literally the council of heaven. And the council of heaven is asking one question. Whom will go for us? Who will go for us? 
And Isaiah in his wisdom responded, Here am I. Send me. But I want us to think about it. I want us to look at the story very closely. The story, I want us to look at this one point. Jonah was in the boat and he was disobedient to the call and he was asleep. And because Jonah was disobedient, there was a storm all around him. I wonder, I wonder how many of the storms we are experiencing right now as a nation is because so many of his messengers are asleep in the boat. Wake up, Jonah. Wake up. Wake up, Jonah. Get out of the boat. All the anxieties and the perplexities that we're experiencing right now. God, send us prophets. Send us men and women of God who are not compromised. Who look after one thing, the heart of God. The only hope right now for our nation is for willing messengers to speak in courage and love. Wake up, Jonah. Wake up. God Almighty had to call Jonah twice. How many times must he call you? The storms are here because the messengers are silent. Because they are asleep in the boat. The New Testament is very clear. Awake, awake, all you who sleep and Christ will give you life. Paul says, awake to righteousness and and sin not. Isaiah the prophet says, awake, awake, put on strength. The church of Jesus Christ in America is asleep. It's asleep. And the, the pastors have sang lullabies. Instead of battle cries. Awake. Awake. We've coddled. And entertained. Instead of trained. And equipped. Would you stand with me? I understand the seriousness of the hour. I understand the sobriety of the message. I'm speaking this way because I believe it is the only hope I believe for our country. That the messengers are no longer silent. That the storms will cease when the messengers are willing. We've done many calls in this church Specific calls, calls for salvation, calls for repentance, calls for water baptism, calls to tithe, calls to give. But today's call is a special call. And it's a call into ministry, a call into missions, 
and service to the king. A specific call to be a messenger of God, to bear his word in a dark time. Wake up, pastor. Wake up, evangelist. Wake up, missionary. Wake up, small group leader. Wake up, campus pastor, evangelist. Wake up, prophet. Wake up, preacher. Wake up, minister. Wake up, kids minister. Wake, wake up, worship leader. Wake up. Wake up, John. This is a sacred moment. We had these moments before. I remember right over there, Tony Wynn was a small group pastor and God called him to sell everything he owned. He sold everything he owned with joy and went to Vietnam. And it was the greatest privilege to see pictures of him baptizing converts into the oceans of Vietnam. I remember seeing right over there, I saw Pastor Manfred in this moment, in a very similar moment, before he was Pastor Manfred, he was just Nick. And he said, I don't understand what's happening. I don't know what's happening. I just know that God's calling me. I don't know what this means. What do I do? And now to see years later, him baptizing people in the rivers of Bandera. Over 300 have come into the faith. Wake up, Jonah! Wake up! What would your life look like? What would your life look like if you answered the call? All eternity is open before you. I tell you, cities can be taken in a day. Wake up. Wake up. We're going to have a time, a special time. I want you to know that our church is a sending church. We don't exist to be one large, massive church, but to be a catalyst of planting churches all over our city, all over our nation, and all over the world. We're ascending church. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking one thing right now, it's the words of Jesus echoed here in this moment. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. That the willingness of the Son to go, the humility of the Son to go, one greater than Jonah is here. If God is calling you today, calling you into ministry, calling you to be part of a church planning team, calling you, and you're saying, I'm setting my future open and before you, God, do as you will. And we want to come alongside you, help you, train you, equip you for what God has called you to do so that the cities of Nineveh may be the cities of the Lamb. In this next song, listen to what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. This is the sacred moment. If you know God's calling you, if you've heard his call, we ask you to fill this card out and set it on the stage as an act of surrender, saying, I want to start the conversation. I want to answer the call. I'm waking up. I'm no longer going to sleep in the boat. I'm going to wake up. Let us pray.
You've been so patient with us. So patient. You've heard all our excuses. And you still call. You've heard all of our, all the reasons why not. Yet you still call. Your faithfulness, your faithfulness has been known to us. We answer the call. 